Welcome to Rockbrook Church Podcast. Today's message is part of a series called Building Your Life on Values That Last. We know that God designed values for us to live by and to give us meaning and purpose in this life. We would love to hear from you and how God is using this message to give you a new perspective and hope. Email your story to church at rockbrook.org. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here today. Appreciate you coming out for part six of our Building Your Life on Values That Last. We've been working through this series, been working through the uh, workbook that goes with it in our small groups. And today we're going to be talking about the value of forgiveness. Uh, It's just a fact of life that you're going to be hurt by other people. Uh, Many times, even intentionally, by the things that people say, the things that people do. And uh, when we talk about forgiveness, some of you instantly can call to mind a hurt, uh, a heartache that still makes you wince. I mean, the hurt is still great and the wound is still raw because you've been hurt very deeply. But we want to help you with that this week. And our outline today is really very simple. It's, It's two points. One is, why should I forgive? And the other one is, how should I forgive? Uh, In your workbooks this week, you're going to be looking in Matthew 18, where Jesus tells the parable of the unforgiving servant, a servant who was forgiven uh, much by a king that he owed a lot to, and then he turns right around and he is not forgiving to other people. And out of that parable, uh, Jesus gives us the three reasons why we ought to forgive. Why should I forgive? On your notes, on the screen, on the app, on the TV, everywhere. Number one. I should forgive because God has forgiven me. God has forgiven me. Ephesians 4.32, let's read this out loud. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You When I remember how much God has forgiven me, it causes me to be more forgiving to other people. On the other hand, if I don't feel forgiven then I'm going to have a tough time forgiving you. Uh, you know, if you have a tough time forgiving others, if you've had a hard time letting go of a hurt, if you have a hard time getting over a grudge, then possibly you yourself don't feel forgiven. Because if I don't feel forgiven, I don't want you to feel forgiven. If, if I'm not living uh, in, in grace, I don't want to be gracious to you. If I don't feel set free from the things I've done wrong, then I don't want you feeling good about the things you've done wrong. And so the starting point is a very important question. And that question is, have you ever asked God to forgive you of your sins? Have you ever received Christ's forgiveness? And if you have a hard time forgiving others, maybe it's because you've never received Christ's forgiveness. And maybe you need to do that today, right here, right now. God's forgiveness is always available to us. But we just need to ask for it. If, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And if I receive Christ's forgiveness, if I'm living in God's love and grace, if I know he's wiped my slate clean because of Christ's work on the cross, if all the things I deserve to be punished for, I'm not going to be punished for because God has forgiven me, then I'm going to be more forgiving to other people. And you will never have to forgive anybody else more than God has already forgiven you. He will always forgive you more than you forgive anybody else. So I'd urge you today, 
to, to just receive God's forgiveness in Christ. So that's the first reason I must be forgiving, is because God has forgiven me. Second reason I should forgive others is because resentment doesn't work. Resentment is counterproductive. In fact, resentment is destructive. It always hurts you more than it hurts anybody else. Now, if anybody had the right to be resentful, it was a guy in the Bible named Job. Uh, Job was a very wealthy man, uh, uh, probably the most famous man of his day. He was the Bill Gates of his day. Uh, but Job was a very godly man. He, he, he put God first place in his life. And Job had gotten to a position in life where he had everything that he wanted. And then in one day, he lost everything. Enemy nations came in, killed all his livestock. His children were destroyed in a natural disaster. He came down with a horrible disease. He's living in poverty. He's living in pain. And things got so bad, his wife said, Job, you should just curse God and die. And what a horrible way to be living. To the point where your wife says, well, you know, we'd all be better off if you were dead. And his friends come, and they come to console him, and the way they try to console him is, they, they tell him, you know, Job, this is all your fault. And so you need, to, you need to fess up. You need to make some changes here. I mean, what consolation is that? Because we know in the story it's not Job's fault. Job was a righteous man. But three times, three times in the book, we realize that resentment doesn't work. Job does not become resentful. Uh, Job 5.2, it says, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Foolish, senseless, illogical, irrational. It's just dumb to be resentful. Now, would you agree that sometimes resentment, bitterness, anger, hate can make us do really foolish things? You know, we think, I'm going to get even with them. And then we do ridiculous things. It's kind of fascinating when, when you pay attention to it that, that a lot of uh, movies, uh, TV plots, uh, a lot of the great stories in, in uh, history, the classical literature, they're all based on the idea of revenge and getting even. Someone has been wronged, and then they're going to go down the path of trying to get even. And a great classic literature is based on that. I, I remember uh, this Three Stooges episode where Mo kept, kept slapping Curly in the chest. He just popping him in the chest all the time. You know, Curly, he's the bald, handsome one. And so, stick with me. So Mo is, you know, he's slapping him in the chest all the time. Curly gets tired of it, and so he gets a stick of dynamite and straps it to his chest. And the idea is that the next time he slaps me, boy, he's really going to get it. You know, yuck, yuck, yuck. You know, that, that's just, that's the way... That, that we start to think. It, it, it's, it's foolish to hold a grudge. That's Ecclesiastes 7, 9. We do stuff that makes us look foolish and, and ultimately harms us. Uh, Job 18, 4 says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. It always hurts you more than it hurts the other person. Resentment makes you miserable. It doesn't have any effect on the other person. You know, no matter how resentful or bitter you are toward that person who hurt you, maybe your mother, your father, ex-husband, ex-wife, maybe a person at school, somebody betrayed you, all the resentment in the world is not going to change the past. Resentment doesn't change anything. 
It's just stewing without doing. It, it never solves the problem. And it always hurts you more than it hurts the other person. I mean, they may have hurt you years ago. And, you know, they don't even remember it. They may not have even known it in the first place. And yet, every time you think about it, it still causes pain in your life. They've gone on their merry way. They've forgotten about the issue. But resentment keeps that hurt alive in you. The Bible says that when you hold on to a hurt, it's like holding fire to your chest. It's like swallowing poison. It's like a cancer that, that eats you alive. Resentment does not hurt the other person. It does not solve the problem. All it does is hurt you. And resentment is unhealthy. Job 21, 23 says, Some men stay healthy until the day they die. Others have no happiness at all. They live and die, say the last phrase with me, with bitter hearts. Say that out loud again, with bitter hearts. Research has shown over and over and over the most dangerous, destructive emotion is resentment. It's bitterness. It's unforgiveness. You know, it, it affects us. It affects us physically. Have you ever said, that person is a pain in the neck? That person is a pain in the... Pick an anatomy part, okay? And that person is a pain, and they literally may be a pain. I mean, have you ever considered that the back problem you've got is because of the stress that you're carrying because you won't let go of a hurt? Have you considered that that, that stomach ailment that you have is because you are bound up inside, your stomach is tied up in a knot because you're holding on to resentment? guy went to the doctor and said, Doctor, I've got colitis. And the doctor said, Who have you been colliding with? Yeah, because it's not so much what you eat as what's eating you that affects you. Resentment doesn't work. And so for your own sake, God says you need to learn to forgive. Third reason, I must forgive because I will need forgiveness in the future. I need it too. And you can't expect others to forgive you if you're unwilling to forgive other people. Because forgiveness is a two-way street. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then he says what I think is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. He says, But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Think about that. We cannot receive what we're unwilling to give. And if you're forgiving, you'll be forgiven. If you're unforgiven, unforgiving don't expect to be forgiven John Wesley was a great preacher back in the day and a man came to him one time had been wounded and he said I could never forgive that person and Wesley said uh, then I hope you never sin because when you are unforgiving you are burning the very bridge of forgiveness that you yourself must walk across you know, people will say, you just don't understand. You, you don't know how that, that parent hurt me. You don't know how many years I suffered this abuse. And you're right, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that God tells all of us, for our own sake, that we have got to let it go. For your own sake. Because you're not helping your situation by holding on to the hurt. You, you hold on to the hurt, you're allowing somebody in the past to hurt you in the present and rob you of your future. And the tragic thing about it is, that's your choice. 
It's your choice. You're choosing to allow that hurt to continue to hurt you. You say, oh, I could never forgive that person. Well, that may mean that you don't understand what forgiveness truly is. Because what you think forgiveness is and what it really is may be two different things. Because there's a lot of faulty concepts, a lot of myths, misconceptions, even on the part of Christians about what forgiveness is. And so on your notes, forgiveness is not, number one, it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. I mean, how many times has someone come and say, I'm sorry, and our response is, oh, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. Didn't hurt, no, no problem. You know, we minimize, we minimize forgiveness. But that's, that's not forgiveness. It's not saying it's no big deal. It was a big deal. It's not saying it didn't hurt. It hurt. Oh, it didn't matter. It did matter. It's a big deal. It hurt. It matters. They need to apologize, and you need to forgive them. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference between forgiveness and just acceptance. There's a difference between being wounded and being wronged. You know, wounds often come accidentally. I mean, we just have to accept the fact that we're going to be hurt accidentally in life. You know, your parents, they're doing the best they can, they did the best they could, and maybe they, maybe they hurt you accidentally. You know, you're a kid, you're just trying to mumble and bumble your way through life, and you do things that hurt, hurt your parents, your husband, your wife, friends, neighbors, even strangers. We just all accidentally hurt each other. And we just need to accept the fact that that's just the environment we live in. But forgiveness, forgiveness is serious. And it's meant for the serious hurts. It's meant for the big stuff. It's meant for the times when we are wronged intentionally with malice. And you intentionally meant to hurt someone, and someone may have intentionally meant to hurt you. And so that's why we must offer forgiveness to one another. And when you minimize a wrong, you cheapen forgiveness. Do not cheapen forgiveness. Our salvation is based upon it. And forgiveness is not saying it's no big deal. It was a big deal. It hurt. And that's why you need to forgive it. Next, forgiveness is not the instant restoration of trust. Forgiveness is instant, but trust must be rebuilt over time. And if someone has betrayed you, you don't instantly trust them again. They have to prove to be trustworthy. Yes, you forgive them instantly. You forgive them freely. But trust has to be restored. It has to be earned and rebuilt. And if somebody's hurt you over and over, repeatedly, intentionally, the Bible says you're obligated to forgive them. But you are not obligated to trust them. In fact, you read through the book of Proverbs, and it says that it's wise not to trust them. It's foolish to trust people who hurt you over and over and over again. You're obligated to forgive them. You're not obligated to trust them. You don't have to let them back into your life to continue to hurt you. But forgiveness means I'm going to let go of the hurt, but they're going to have to do some things in order to rebuild uh, the trust. Now, another thing on this is that only the victim has the right to forgive. You don't have the right to forgive people for hurts that they did to someone else. You know, you can't forgive them, I can't forgive them, God can forgive them, but, but the victim is the one who offers the forgiveness. 
Uh, For instance, if your family was robbed, I don't have the right to go to the robber and say, I forgive you, because he didn't rob anything from me. I haven't been offended by him. Only the people who've been harmed by him are the ones who can forgive him. A lot of Christians don't understand that. We need to extend forgiveness to everyone. Well, if you haven't been offended, you're not the one who needs to give the forgiveness. Now, the Bible teaches that the trust must be rebuilt. A man must be proven to be faithful. And so you don't automatically restore them to the position that the the relationship had before. That's, That's the third point. Forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without any changes. You know, forgiveness doesn't mean that we just let them continue to do things the way they used to do them. You know, if I forgive somebody, I've got to let them back and I've got to let them hurt me again. No, you don't. You know, forgiveness is not the resumption of the relationship the way it was. If it's going to be restored, if it's going to be resumed, the person who's committed the offense needs to do some things. On your notes, write these down. I'm going to give you three R words. There's no blanks for this or anything. Uh, just jot down on your outline, Repentance. You know, there needs to be repentance. There needs to be genuine life change. They don't just get to say, I'm sorry, and then keep doing it. No, if they say, I'm sorry, they need to change their behavior. There needs to be restitution. Restitution where possible. They've got to make things right. They need to repair, repay, restore the relationship. And then there's a rebuilding a rebuilding of trust over time. It's not just words, it's action over time. So there's repentance, there's restitution, and there's rebuilding. Now we, we are required to forgive whether they do those things or not. You know, forgiveness, you know, we can forgive in secret. They don't even know we've forgiven them. We can forgive before they ask for it. You know, forgiveness is what you do. It's not what they do. And your forgiveness is not based on their response. It's not based on whether they asked for it or accept it or acknowledge it or not. You forgive because God's forgiven you. You forgive because resentment doesn't work. You forgive because you're going to need forgiveness yourself. But to resume the relationship, then these other things need, need to happen. Now, some of you have been hurt so badly by a loved one that the thought of forgiving that person is is almost unthinkable. But you've got to realize that there is a freedom that comes from forgiveness that you won't find any other way. There's a freedom that comes into your life when you forgive that person that you're not going to find any other way. So how should I forgive? Four things. First, we recognize we're all imperfect. Uh, when we get hurt by someone, we tend to lose our perspective on them. Uh, you know, when, when we're filled with hurt and resentment and bitterness and anger, we tend to demonize the offender. We can even dehumanize them. We, we forget that they're a human being. But the fact is, we're all sinners capable of hurting one another. Every one of us has intentionally wronged people in our lives. You've been selfish in your life, I have too. You've intentionally hurt people, so have I. We're all imperfect, we're all in the same boat. Ecclesiastes 7, there's not a single person in all the earth who is always good and never sins. And so when a person hurts you, you just have to recognize, you know what, they're not evil, they're not a demon, they're not 
an animal. They're, they're just a person who's broken like all of us. We're all imperfect. And yes, they hurt you. And yes, it was wrong. And we're not trying to minimize it. But don't dehumanize them either. Recognize that they're human, and that's why these things happen. Number two, I must relinquish my right to get even. That's the heart of forgiveness, is I relinquish my right to get even. Romans 12, 19 says, Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. And so I, if I'm going to forgive, I've got to give up my right to get even. You deserve to be hurt back, but I'm not going to do it. You deserve to be retaliated against, but I'm not going to do it. You deserve to be punished, but I'm not going to do it. Sound unfair? It is. <laughs> but who said life was fair? God never said life was fair. I mean, what's fair about the gospel? What's fair about the cross? What's fair about a perfect, sinless, holy, righteous God coming to earth and dying on a cross for sinful people who are at odds with him? What's fair about that? Nothing. Nothing. This is earth. It's not heaven. This is a place where people make mistakes. Life's not fair. There, there's not always justice in the world. In fact, there's a lot of injustice in the world. But God promises that one day he's going to settle the score. One day he'll balance the books. One day we'll all give an account. And God's going to make things right. But until then, God says, don't avenge yourself. Don't try to get even. Leave it to God to repay those who deserve it. You know, resentment doesn't work. It keeps you from being forgiven and it makes you unhealthy. And so let God settle the score. So you've got to release your right to get even and ask God to give you his peace in that. Now, how often do I have to do that? How often do I have to release my right to get even with those who've hurt me? Well, as often as the memory comes back as often as you experience the hurt. Every time you get resentful, you have to forgive again. It's not a one-time shot where you say you're forgiven and then you never think about it again. I mean, if you've been hurt deeply, you know that's not how it works. You know you can forgive a person and genuinely mean it, and five minutes later or five seconds later, it hurts again, and you've got to forgive them all over again. Over and over. It's not a one-shot deal. It's a repeated act of saying, I give up my right to get even. This hurts, but I give up my right to get even. Peter asked Jesus, he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I mean, Peter thinks he's being real generous here. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. And he doesn't mean that you're going to count up to 490 and then let them have it. He just means you don't keep drowned at all. You just keep forgiving them over and over again. Every time you remember the hurt, you have to forgive again and again and again. Now, sometimes it's not advisable. It may not even be possible for you to go to that person and to extend forgiveness to them. For one, they may be unaware that they hurt you. It's not going to do any good to bring it up. They didn't even know what happened. You know, they may have changed. Maybe they're not like that anymore. Maybe they don't do that behavior anymore. They're a different person now. There's no point in dragging this up from years ago maybe they've remarried maybe they've moved on maybe, maybe they've even died 
but you still are holding on to the hurt. So you may have to use what we call the empty chair technique. And that's where you take an empty chair and you imagine that person sitting there. And you say, mom, dad, ex-husband, ex-wife, friend that betrayed me, guy who cut me off on 71 on the way to church today. Okay. And then you just pour out what the offense was and how it hurt you, and then you say, I'm going to release you from this. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to get even. And the deeper the hurt, the, the, the deeper you need to take this exercise. It, it may even be beneficial to just write it out, to just document it, to just pour out everything that happened and how it made you feel and how you've struggled with it, and just to read it to them, and then you just tear it up or you burn it. You release them. You let them go because you want to be free. Number three, I've got to respond to evil with good. You know, how do you know when, when you fully release somebody? It's when you begin to understand their hurt and when you can pray for them. You may need to pray for forgiveness a thousand times a day. I'm not exaggerating. You know, if you've been hurt deeply, you know how often you've got to say, God, man, this hurts again. And you just have to keep saying it over and over again. And eventually, the forgiveness process begins to work. And something begins to change in you. And you begin to pray for that person differently. You begin to pray for their salvation. You begin to pray for their healing. You begin to pray that, that God would do a work of blessing in their life instead of praying that they'd get hit by a truck. Okay? You know, what's happened? In the process of yielding your right to get even, God changes your heart so you begin to pray for good rather than evil. Jesus said in Luke 6, he says, Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. And he meant it. He meant it. And there's no way you can do that on your own power. There's no, you've got to have a power beyond yourself to be able to do that. Humanly speaking, you can't ask somebody to forgive you a thousand times a day. Humanly speaking, you don't have enough. Human forgiveness runs out. You don't have enough forgiveness to do this. The only way that you can do it is you've got to get Christ's forgiveness into your life. Let him fill you with his love, his forgiveness, because human love and forgiveness runs out. And you don't have it in you to do good to those who hate you, to pray for those who mistreat you. The, the only way you can do it is if you say, Jesus Christ, you've got to fill my heart with your love and forgiveness. So you can forgive them. So you can pray for them. And we do that because love keeps no record of wrongs. And when you're filled with love, you're not keeping a record of wrongs. And that, that means that if you're keeping a record of wrongs, you know, if you've got a list of offenses and, and things that they're doing that bother you and, and things that, you know, have hurt and that, that you know, you want taken care of, then, then you're keeping a record of wrongs. And, and it means you're not filled with love. And I just want to warn you, what it means is, is, is you're filling your life up with bitterness and resentment and anger and unforgiveness and that's not good for you and so don't pretend you're filled with love if you're keeping a record of wrong if you want to experience the freedom of forgiveness you've got to overcome that you've got to overcome that evil and with good 
Number four, you also need to refocus on God's plan for my life. I stopped focusing on the offense. I stopped focusing on the hurt. I stopped focusing on the person who hurt me. And instead, I refocus on God's purpose for my life. Friend, God's God's purpose for your life is greater than any pain you will ever experience. God's purpose for your life is greater than any problem you will ever face. So do not keep your focus on your pain or on your problem. Put your focus on the purpose that God has for your life. As long as you focus on the person who hurt you, they control you. And you don't want them to control you. You know, let me take it a step further. If you don't release your offender, you're going to begin to resemble your offender. It's just a law of life. We become like what we are focused on. And I've experienced that in my own life. I mean, you may say, well, I'm not going to be like that person. They hurt me. They did this. I'm not going to be like them. And the more you focus on not being like them, the more you become like them. It's just the way it works. And the whole time you're trying not to be like them because you're focused on them, that's what you become like. I'd never be like that person. But you become like what you focus on. And you become, the, the, the hate, the bitterness, the anger in your heart begins to affect you. Now, Job had every reason to be offended. He had every reason to have resentment. But, but he just, there, we see the steps here in Job 11 of how to deal with this. Look at this. It says, put your heart right, Job. Reach out to God. Put away evil and wrong from your home. Then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Look at, the, look at this process. First, you, you put your heart right. You, you release and forgive the person who's hurt you. Oh, I just don't feel like it. God says, I don't care if you feel like it. You've got to do it anyway. Because you're only making yourself miserable holding on to that hurt. And then you reach out to God. You ask Christ to come into your life. Because you don't have enough forgiveness to do this on your own. And so you say, Christ, I need you to forgive me. And I need you to give me enough forgiveness for them as well. A thousand times a day, if that's what it takes. And then you put away evil and wrong from your home. You stop trying to get even. And you rise above it. You don't let the devil get a foothold with bitterness in your life. You put that away. And then you face the world again. You don't withdraw into a shell. You don't put up walls. You don't say, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again. I'm just never going to get into another relationship. You don't play the victim. You become the victor. And through Christ, you face the world again and you resume living. And when you take those steps, look what happens. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. I mean, wouldn't you like that pain? Wouldn't you like that memory to just fade away and be remembered no more? God offers us that hope. He gives us that plan. It's in the value of forgiveness. Let's pray together. If you're here today and you've never asked Christ into your life, I'd encourage you right now in this moment to just say, Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and life and forgive me of my sins. God, I ask you to take control over my life and lead me and guide me and fill me with your love. 
And maybe you're a believer, but you've been holding on to a hurt. Been holding on to a hurt for many years, and it's caused a resentment and a bitterness to come into your life. It's caused there to be a wedge, a wall between you and God and other people. Maybe in this moment you just need to say, God, please, give me the healing. Give me the, the forgiveness I need in order to get this thing out of my life. God, we thank you that as we bring our hurts to you, that you are the healer. You're the one who can restore us, and you give us the power to release and to forgive those who've hurt us. God, I pray that you would replace our hurts with your peace. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.